As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray. Holy and gracious God, your word is constantly new to us, inspiring and nurturing us as we seek to be your faithful followers. Open our hearts and minds and souls as we hear it this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our scripture lesson today is from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, throwing him into convulsions and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed And they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Richard Rohr likes to say that good theology has two important tasks, to keep all people free for God and to keep God free for all people. To keep all people free for God and to keep God free for all people. But Rohr observes most churches do not allow God much freedom. God is always so much bigger than the theological and churchy boxes we build to contain God. Several years ago, I received an invitation to return to the first church I had served as pastor, Firestone Park Presbyterian in Akron, Ohio, for the celebration of its 100th anniversary. Firestone Park was a wonderful place to begin ministry. It was a small church with lots of families that had been there for generations and that even had multiple generations who were still committed to the church. At the celebration, as the members reflected on the best and worst times of their century together, I realized something that hadn't occurred to me when I was there as their pastor. It was the hardships they had faced that enabled them to remain open to the movement of God's Spirit among them, to, in Richard Rohr's words, keep God free. This church had been through some very difficult times, times when its members had to wrestle with what it meant to be a church. There were contentious theological battles that nearly split the congregation, There were financial crises. They didn't think they would survive. They had some serious and unexpected maintenance issues in their building. At each of these points, it looked like the church might not continue. And yet every time they weathered a storm, 
they became more convinced of God's faithfulness and more committed to their calling as a congregation. It was as if the hardships they faced created room for something new. I've been thinking about that as I have reflected on the year we have been through together as a church, a year that has at many times felt more like a century. If you've watched our video annual report, and you can find it on our website, maybe you had the same experience I did, seeing the pictures of the church in January and February of last year. It was almost surreal, almost unbelievable that less than a year ago, we were gathering together at tables to eat and learn and discuss and share without fear of contagion, without masks, and before we even knew what social distancing was. As I watched those pictures go by, I found myself longing to go back and offer my January and February 2020 self some advice. Buckle up and hold on tight. Something new is about to happen. According to the Gospel of Mark, Jesus begins his ministry at a synagogue on the Sabbath day, offering a new teaching. At that time, the synagogue was less a place of worship than a place where people gathered to hear their leaders interpret the scriptures. Jesus was not the usual kind of teacher because his teaching almost immediately stirred up conflict. Here, conflict in the form of a demon-possessed man. But with just a few words, Jesus silences and then exorcises the demon, clearing it out to make room for a new idea about God. This demon is the first obstacle Jesus will face in his ministry, and it is no accident that this obstacle appears in a synagogue, the institutional home of religion. It is the first obstacle Jesus will face, but it will certainly not be the last. Reflecting on the inevitable clash between the old and the new, Neil Donald Walsh writes, Yearning for a new way will not produce it. Only ending the old way can do that. You cannot hold on to the old all the while declaring that you want something new. The old will defy the new, the old will deny the new, the old will decry the new. There is only one way to bring in the new. You must make room for it. As we look back over this last year and how it has shaped us, it is undeniable that the global pandemics of 2020 not just the coronavirus, but also the social injustice and economic insecurity COVID has revealed and accelerated. All of this has been making room for something new to emerge. For us as a church, the new has included new ways of worshiping and meeting and celebrating communion and welcoming new members. But it has been more than that. Again and again, I've heard so many of you say that because of the pandemic, you have slowed down. 
You have reconnected with friends and family. You've spent time in prayer. You have reflected on what really matters. Worshiping and working and schooling from home has broken down some of the boundaries we may not even have realized we created. Although this hasn't been particularly comfortable, it has created a new intimacy and vulnerability in our life together. And this has helped us become more aware of the boundaries we've created, boundaries that can keep us at arm's distance from each other and even from God. In Mark's gospel, this idea that no boundary can separate us from God is the crux of Jesus' new teaching. And it is most clearly illustrated at his baptism and at his death. When Jesus is baptized, Mark describes the skies overhead being ripped open, torn apart, obliterating the boundary between heaven, where the people imagined God to be, and earth, where the people are. Then, out of this ripped-open sky, the Holy Spirit descends. It doesn't land on Jesus like a gentle dove. In Mark, the Spirit moves into Jesus, possessing him, compelling him to set God loose in the world around him in a whole new way. From here, Jesus will consistently and urgently break down boundaries, cross borders, and show up in places and spaces where God didn't seem to belong, announcing that even in places of pain and suffering, sin and injustice, God is at work. When Jesus dies on the cross, Mark makes this point again, describing the curtain of the temple tearing in two, using the same word to describe the tearing open of the heavens at his baptism. The curtain was the boundary around the so-called holy of holies, the innermost part of the temple where God was believed to dwell, the place only select religious leaders could enter. This is the exclamation point to Mark's thesis that there is nothing in, the, in this world or the next that can separate God from humanity, and that no boundary can keep God contained or exclude some people from the wonder of God's presence and love. In other words, Mark's theology keeps all people free for God and God free for all people. Of course, this was not an easy message for those first people to hear. And the ones who resisted it most were the religious leaders. They resisted it because they had benefited from and were therefore deeply invested in the rules and rituals that kept people in their assigned places in the social and religious hierarchy of Jesus' day. The year 2020 broke down many barriers for us as a congregation. Without being able to gather in person for worship in our building, our homes became sanctuaries. Without being able to meet in person to do the business of the church, we invited each other, virtually of course, into our homes 
to keep our ministry and mission going strong. Even more than that, I am so proud of the way you seized the opportunities 2020 offered to ask hard questions about the ways our nation, our community, our church, and we as individuals have perpetuated and even benefited from a narrative that says some people are inherently more valuable and deserving than others. You supported nonprofits working day and night to serve the most vulnerable in our community. You challenged yourselves to learn about the roots of racism and created an advisory group on dismantling racism and building God's beloved community. You shared about yourselves and learned about each other through the People from the Pews project. You connected with each other, even with members you didn't know before, by making phone calls, sending cards, delivering meals, and gathering together on Zoom. You made recordings of yourselves, singing and reading and praying. You did all kinds of things you had never done or imagined doing before. In all of this, you directed your resources of time, talent, and treasure to the work of unleashing God's Spirit on the world. 2020 was indeed a year that made room for the new. And as much as we anxiously await the day when we can restore some of the traditions and rituals that ground our life together, worship and singing and communion and shared meals and crowds and handshakes and hugs, it is also my fervent prayer that we will hold on to the discoveries we have made. There is no longer an option of returning to the way things used to be. Not exactly. We have seen too much, learned too much, experienced too much of God's boundary-breaking love to do that. So I hope and pray that 2021 will be a year when we join the people in today's scripture reading to ask, what is this new teaching? What does it mean for us? How can our experience of intimacy and vulnerability and presence and love inform the way we engage each other and God's world? By keeping these questions before us, the seeds planted in 2020 will take root and grow and bear fruit, the fruit of compassion and justice and love. Good theology has two important tasks, to keep all people free for God and to keep God free for all people. This is what 2020 taught us, that God is so much bigger than the boxes we had built. This is also the very first teaching Jesus offered over 2,000 years ago when he unleashed the power of God's spirit on the world. We can keep trying to contain that spirit, to hem it in and parse it out bit by bit. But what if instead we keep practicing what we have learned? There is no limit to love. There is no time to waste. There is no going back. For we are free for God.
And God is free for us. Amen.